G'day everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Road Less Travel Podcast. Nikki Shea back with you this week. Thanks so much for your company. We really appreciate it. Don't forget that, of course, you can interact with us. Drop me a message, drop me a line. If you've got an upcoming event, an upcoming trip, you've just done a trip and you want to share your adventures with us, you can drop us an email, which is fatcat at iinet.net.au. That's fatcat with a P-H-A-T-C-A-T. And you can also SMS 042-752-8467. Don't forget if you've got some products that you want us to review. And as I mentioned just a little while ago, if you've done a trip, you've got a trip coming up and you want to share it with us, please do so. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'd love to hear from some upcoming trips that you may have planned and you've started your own bucket list. Why not do it now? If you don't do it now, you never, ever will. So make sure that you get out there and, and explore this fantastic country of ours. We are certainly very, very lucky. So please spread the word of the Road Less Travel podcast. Get the road out. Get the road out there. Get the word out there that the podcast is up and running. Share it with your friends. Give us a like and a share. And don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you're listening, whether that's Apple Pod Podcasts. If I put a sentence together and slow myself down, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, or on iHeartRadio, and also on SoundCloud too. And you can jump onto our website, which is fatcatmedia.com.au, and there you can listen to all the episodes of the back catalogue on the Road Less Travel podcast and a little bit about what we do with Fat Cat Media. This week I thought we would talk about caravan maintenance. We are about to set out on a big road trip and the regular trips that, trips that you do, you also need to be doing the regular checks that prevent problems. When you're on a caravanning holiday, you can't rely on a hotel maintenance crew to fix a leaking shower or a mechanical issue. You have to deal with a problem or track down a mobile caravan repairer who will. So, to save you sleepless nights and hefty bills, here are seven simple checks to prevent on-the-road caravan problems, and believe me, they will happen. Before you take off on any adventure, check the brake lights and indicators on your caravan are still working. Now this sounds simple enough, but you won't want the hassle of finding a new bulb or fixing an electrical connection when you're away. Hook the trailer plug to your tow vehicle and check each function and don't leave it to the final minutes before you're due to depart. Done that before, plugged in, gone ready to go and it's blowing fuses and you start pulling your hair out, having arguments before you've even left the house. Number two, check the pressure of your caravan tyres so that they're at the recommended PSI. It's best to rotate your tyres every 10,000 kilometres, but you'll need to check the surface of of the tyre for cracks often. Tyres don't expire as such, but best practice is to change them every six years. You'll find the date of manufacture stamped on the tyre sidewall. The date will be a week and a year. For example, 2204 means that the tyre was made in the 22nd week of 2004. I think we just had our tyres done on Jenny Jaco and they hadn't been done since 2003. While you're going over the tyres, take a look at the tread. Bridgestone offers this handy trick. You place an Australian 20 cent coin into the tread of your tyre. If the tread doesn't reach the bill of the platypus, there's less than 3 millimetres of tread left and you'll need to think about new tyres. It's never fun camping in wet weather and a leak in your caravan can have you calling it quits. To avoid that, keep an eye on window seals. If they're deteriorating, remove them, clean the surface and apply a fresh layer of flexible sealant. It's not a fun job, but you'll be thankful you did it next time you're caught in a downpour. And having been in a caravan that leaked like a sieve, I can thoroughly recommend doing that. We did that in Karen Caravan on uh, a cup weekend that poured with rain and we sat there, we we ran out of buckets in the end. So make sure that you do... um, 
have a look at uh, the, the water seals and the seals around the tops of the caravan roofs as well. Regular look under your caravan too for uh, any paint chips and surface rust on the chassis. If you find some, strip back the affected area to bare metal and repaint. You'll be able to pick up paint at any automotive supplier such as Repco or Super Cheap Auto. When it comes to interior maintenance, at the end of every trip you should clean out the fridge and defrost the freezer and then leave the door ajar. Come next holiday, your fridge will work efficiently and it will smell beautiful. Your veggies will be kept crisp too. When small items such as covered catches break, replace them immediately. These sort of parts, including for vintage caravans, can easily be ordered online through eBay. And if you're not storing your caravan undercover, it's important to keep any moving parts, such as the trailer coupling, which is the bit that attaches to the tow ball, protected from the weather so it doesn't seize up. Occasionally, lubricate the parts, including those under the carriage, with grease or silicon spray. Speaking of storage, if you don't have a carport or garage, buy a caravan cover. They come in multiple sizes, so your holiday home is protected in wet and wild weather and on high UV days too. This means that the paint job and the overall condition of your caravan remains in tip-top shape. So make sure that the regular checks, they will prevent problems down the track. They're just seven simple steps in caravan maintenance before you hook up and head out on the road. Now Lee sent me in some camping tips and tricks. The hacks. I love things that make life easy and it's easy to be bamboozled by all the fancy equipment and camping stores but sometimes it can be the most basic stuff that works best and Lee sends in some of the top tips um, that made their happy camping that they learned out on the road and I've chucked in a few of our own as well think this think first of all rubber bands and bags when you're traveling on the road and especially rough roads anything that can pop open unwind or unravel it will Almost everything in our food box, fridge and kitchen, including the toilet paper roll, has a rubber band around it. Store your food and anything that might spill or shake open in transit in a resealable bag and a reusable sandwich bag. They take up less room than a plastic container and they protect against spills too. So there's a little trip. This is a, this one Jeff and I love using. Use pegs and oxy straps. You'll be surprised how many uses you can find for plastic pegs beyond pegging up wet clothes. They are great for securing all sorts of items around the campsite. Oxy straps also have 101 uses. The stretchy elastic ropes with hooks at each end can help tie down your tent in a gale, secure your items in the back of the vehicle or on the roof rack, and can even be strung together to form a clothesline. And if you're really desperate, reach for the dental floss really it makes great emergency shoelaces too sewing thread and anything else you need string for do the wash and shower hack a soft-sided bucket makes the ideal camp kitchen sink they only cost a few dollars from a hardware store they're super light and easy to carry even when full and easy to pack you can add an inexpensive 12 volt handheld shower that runs from your car battery and a shower tent for a few sarongs strung up with pegs and oxy straps and you'll have a luxurious Bush bathroom for next to nicks. Get a spray bottle of water. When you don't have running water on tap, you need to watch what you use. So keep a refillable spray bottle of water handy for a quick clean, uh, for for quick quick cleanups and hand washing. You'll be amazed at how much water you save. Hand sanitizer and wet wipes are perfect for personal cleanups, either on the go or when there's not enough water for a wash. The wipes are also handy for cleaning up picnic lunch utensils too. Here's a ripping one. Foam mats. You can slide these under the tent floor to protect your feet from rocky ground and use them as a shower floor when bush camping. They also make kneeling on the ground when hitching and unhitching your caravan or camper trailer much more comfy. 
A humble doormat outside the tent or caravan can make camp life much easier and cleaner, especially if you're camping on or near the beach or in the outback. Pack a bush repair kit. What? Don't even think about leaving home without the ultimate get-out-of-jail repair kit, which is cable ties, gaffer tape, which is electrical tape, fencing wire. With these three things, you can fix just about anything. If you're going off-road, snatch straps, which is the length of webbed nylon that you can use with either with another vehicle to pull you out, and a long-handled shovel are handy for those moments when you find yourself bogged and need to dig your way out of trouble. Four-wheel drive recovery vamps such as those max tracks which you put under the wheels to give the tyres something to grip are worth every single cent. The best way not to get bogged in the first place is to drop your tyre presses down to 20 psi or less, so carry an accurate pressure gauge as well. Make your lights yellow. Well, white lights attracts insects, through LED, although the LED lights attract less bug life than the other lights. When you place yellow film over a fluoro light, with, um, it will help reduce the amount of insects around the light. It also is a good makeshift alternative is to use yellow chucks disc cloth too. If the bugs do bite, there's tea tree oil, which is a great way at soothing itches and doubles as an antiseptic and antifungal as well. Did you know that? Pack a wedge. It doesn't matter how expensive your camp, kitchen, dining table is, there's a good chance it will be on an uneven ground. Bring a couple of rubber door wedges to help keep things level. And doing the washing on the go. Don't waste holiday time washing clothes. Pop your clothes in a bucket with a secure lid. Add some water and we'll wash or shampoo. Chuck the lot in the back of the car and hey presto, after about a few hours bumping along the rough dirt roads, your laundry will be done and ready to peg out on your Oki strap clothesline. Learn how to tow. You don't need a special license or even any towing experience to legally hit the road with a caravan or camper trailer, but you should if you've never towed anything before. It is worth your while to go to a towing training school. Courses are typically held over one full day and you'll get plenty of time and traffic-free space to learn how to manoeuvre and reverse park your vehicle with a caravan or trailer in tow. Trust me, you'll be pleased when you did when you're trying to park your van in a crowded caravan park in front of an audience of campers and they critique your every move. You'll also pick up lots of technical and safety info and handy tips. It's uh, You can find them at TOWED, such as T-O-W-E-D.com.au. They operate courses in most capital cities and regional centres and will lend you a van if you want to learn before you actually buy. So they are just some insider secrets with some camping tips and tricks, the best ever hacks. Thanks very much to Lee for sending some of those through as well. Hope you've enjoyed them and you can use some of those tips on your next adventure. Why not? Now, I don't know about you, but I have noticed that since COVID, COVID has seemed to have brought out its own individual tax. The price of houses have gone up, the price of cars have gone up, the price of travel has gone up. When probably this time, 18 months ago or a year ago, you could buy a caravan to get you out on the road for $10,000 and wouldn't be too bad. Now that same sort of caravan is offering up around the fifteen dollars to $20,000 mark. So it got me thinking, no, before you go... Who who does any sort of beginner's guide to caravanning? I ask that because owning a caravan and taking it on endless memory-making road trips can be absolutely brilliant. You just ask the owners of over 500,000 caravans that are currently registered in Australia. There's a few technical things to get your head around before your first trip, but once you do, you'll be ready to embrace Australia's far-flung corners with adventure stirring your soul and life's necessities in tow. So it got me thinking. Let's do a beginner's guide to caravanning. Well, first off, you need to be able to determine if your car-caravan combination is going to be legal. 
This means having a sound understanding of towing terminology. And I'm not going to bore you to death with, you know, weights, measures and all that. But basic terms include the tear weight, which is the weight of an empty caravan, including, and that includes the factory fitted options, but excluding liquids such as water and gas and the payload, which is the caravan's maximum carry capacity. An aggregate trailer mass, which is ATM, is the maximum your caravan is allowed to weigh on its own, so its tear weight plus its payload. While gross trailer mass, GTM, is the maximum weight the caravan's wheels can support when coupled to a tow vehicle. Caravans built after August 1989 should have the ATM, and in some cases the GTM and tear weight on the actual plates. Tow ball load or mass is the portion of the caravan weight that your towing vehicle takes when the caravan is properly hitched. It's crucial for safety reasons and affected by how you distribute your load in the caravan. Also factor in that the tow ball capacity, which is the weight the tow ball can, ha can handle, should be 10% of the overall towing capacity. So what that means is, for example, a vehicle with a towing capacity of 3,500 kilograms should have a tow ball weight capacity of 350 kilograms. It's not required by law, but experts say 10% is a good safety margin. You'll need to know your vehicle's maximum towing capacity. This figure must not exceed the lesser of the towing capacities specified by the manufacturer, the caravan's maximum carrying capacity, the rated capacity of the tow bar and couplings, and the maximum carrying capacity of the tyres. Also, to tow anything substantial, over 750 kilograms, GTM, you must fit trailer brakes. Check the gross vehicle mass, which is the GVM, the maximum weight of the fully laden towing vehicle, and, cross, and the gross combination mass, which is the GCM, and maximum total combined weight of the fully laden vehicle and caravan. These aren't your only considerations, though. Before selecting a caravan, it's imperative to research your vehicle's towing specifications, the caravan's specifications, and towing regulations and guidance in your state or territory and at your destination. So there's no point in getting yourself a little Hyundai XL to tow a 30-foot caravan. You see what I'm saying? Once you have the appropriate caravan towing vehicle combination, you'll need to hitch your caravan to your vehicle. Caravan manufacturers such as Jayco provide a comprehensive checklist covering towing, storing and using the van and retailers also should show you how to hitch it. Once hitched, carry out a safety check including ensuring doors, hatches, windows, covers and load are secured, the tyre pressures are correct and safety chains and your electrical plug are properly connected. Check that the brake lights, indicators and tail lights are working, the jockey wheel is removed, levelling jacks wound up and the steps raised and secured. When towing, your vehicle will handle differently in many respects, including steering, stability, stopping distance and braking performance. The Queensland Department of Transport and Main Roads Safe Towing Guide includes some driving tips. These include allowing for the caravan's tendency to cut in on curves and corners, allowing longer distances for braking and overtaking, avoidance, avoiding sudden lane changes, using the accelerator, using the brakes, and steering smoothly and gently at all times, and planning more rest stops and shorter travelling days since towing is more stressful and tiring than normal driving. Your fuel consumption will also increase, so to minimise this, keep your speed down. Just be aware of motorists behind you and use turnouts where appropriate. 
Also check the speed limits that apply when towing as they vary according to state and territory. And as for reversing, it can be difficult to master and is a matter of practice. At the caravan site, someone with more experience might also offer to help you park your caravan. But practice makes perfect. You can plan your escape by taking a course. So if you've never towed before or you haven't towed in a very long time, the RAC recommends that you practice your skills in a safe environment with qualified instructors before hitting the road. A caravan towing course might cover safety and maintenance checks, legal requirements, loading strategies, hitching and unhitching, driving and manoeuvring techniques, sway management and control, braking and reversing. If you don't already have a caravan or tow vehicle combination, some instructors may also have a setup that you can hire. Speaking of hire, hire a caravan before buying could also be a wise move, which highlights a few things you might not have thought of previously. For example, towing setup and and suitability. As a first-timer, you might be inspired to buy a pop-top, which is a caravan with a collapsible roof, and then realise a regular caravan is more suitable to your situation and needs, or vice versa. So, by hiring first, you can avoid buyer remorse. And consider all the costs. In addition to the caravan purchase price, consider other expenses that you will come across. Outside of camping gear, such as bedding, camping chairs and cooking utensils, you'll need a decent toolkit, battery charger and first aid kit. You'll also need accessories for operating a caravan, such as a 15 amp power lead, a hose for the mains pressure and grey water hoses. There's also insurances and registration, caravan maintenance, additional petrol costs, wear, tear and additional maintenance on your towing vehicle, extended towing mirrors, caravan site fees, the possible cost of upgrading your towing vehicle too, and installing a trailer brake controller, and depending on your situation, storage costs when you're not using the van. These are all the things that you need to consider, and they are just a little bit of a beginner's guide to caravanning. One thing I do recommend is if you are a couple, and you're going caravanning or you're going boating or whatever, you're towing something, make sure that you give your partner some lessons in being able to use the vehicle if you're out of action. For example, I get crashing migraines. Jeff gets crashing migraines too. Nothing worse than if he's driving, he gets a migraine and you know we pull over and he says, you've got to drive and you need to be able to drive towing the vehicle. You need to be able to reverse the vehicle into a caravan site, all these kinds of things. So make sure that you um, teach your spouse or your partner to be able to um, back the caravan or whatever you're using, your camper trailer, and be able to set it up as well. So uh, one of those little things to to consider is to make sure that you're fully aware of what you're getting yourself into with caravanning and camper trailers and getting out on the road, and that is to share the knowledge with each other. makes for less arguments too when you pull up at night. The Road Less Travelled podcast is a proudly Australian, fiercely independent podcast. Hosted and produced by me, Nikki Shea, for Fat Cat Media. We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self-sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travel podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. We've always travelled, even when I was a kid, we've, we've always travelled. My advice is to get out there. And from the infamous old telegraph track leading to Cape York to the remote Gibb River Road in WA, ours is a country made for caravanning. Here are some favourite routes, and while you want to tackle them, we call them Australia's best touring routes. And the Gibb River Road in WA is a seasonal route which is known to rattle the bolts out of your caravan, pull your fillings out, and coat everything inside and out with red dust and red dirt. 
But that's all part of the fun, right? The Gib, as locals call it, is 660 kilometres long and is off-road option for four-wheel drivers travelling from Derby to Kununurra. It can be bypassed along the Great Northern Highway if you don't have a high-clearance four-wheel drive or an off-road camper trailer. Derby Tourism does not recommend taking a caravan due to corrugations, but plenty of people do. Top stops along the way include Home Valley Station, Alquestro Station and Emma Gorge. Before heading off, be sure to get your four-wheel drive and caravan checked over by a mechanic. Extra gear to be taken, you should always carry a spare tyre for both your vehicle and your trailer and a basic toolbox that includes a puncture repair kit. CB radio is also handy as it means you, you can also communicate with other caravanners and truck drivers. You can only travel the Gib during the dry season which is May to October. The Old Telegraph Track in Queensland, Tropical North Queensland's Old Telegraph Track, is legendary amongst tribes of off-roaders. It's a remote, challenging, dirty, and leads to the northern tip of the mainland of Australia, Cape York. It used to be reserved for the hardiest of travellers willing to tow camper trailers through muddy ditches and across croc-infested creeks or roll out swags every night. Now, however, it's open to the soft adventurer with bypass roads allowing you to skip some of the more challenging spots. But, though, don't be fooled. And don't be fooled into thinking it's easy, though. It's 350-odd kilometres and you'll still have to brave water crossings, keep an eye out for reptiles and be prepared to get absolutely filthy. Make sure you have a four-wheel drive recovery kit and rope some friends into the adventure, too. It's always better to have somebody help in sticky situations. You'll definitely want a snatch strap in case your vehicle gets bogged and wet weather clothing for those muddy encounters. Mosquito repellent will come in very handy too. The old telegraph track is only accessible during the dry season, which is May to October. We spoke about it a few weeks ago and baby boomers wistfully recall tackling the infamous Mullabaw Plain from South Australia to Western Australia in combis and panel vans. Then the road was dirt and corrugations were common. Now the entire 1,256-kilometre route from Sejuna to Norseman along the Air Highway is tarred, making it easy enough for the most basic motor home. But making the journey is still no small feat. It can be done in a rush two days, but travellers generally give themselves five, stopping at roadhouses to top up fuel and stretch the legs. Be prepared for the trip to hit the hip pocket too, with diesel prices sitting uncomfortably high. There are plenty of places to pull over at night, that are free however if you want to camp where there is other people along the Nullarbor Roadhouse and Fraser Range station make good stops find out more about the Nullarbor Nullarbor plane on our trip that we did a few weeks ago make sure you pack a jerry can of fuel so you don't have to wear the outrageous Bowser prices it's wise to also carry spare drinking water as you'll find it hard if not impossible to refill your caravan tank along the way the journey includes Australia's longest straight road, so have the podcast, such as the Road Less Travel podcast, ready to play and plenty of toys to keep the kids entertained. On previous episodes of the Road Less Travel podcast, we did the Great Ocean Road, and if you love a road trip but the thought of rattling through the aforementioned epic journeys terrifies you, consider hitting as one of Australia's most popular routes, the Great Ocean Road in Victoria. Starting in the surfing suburb of Torquay, the Great Ocean Road skirts cliffs and beaches and passes through seaside villages worthy of a few nights. There are family-friendly holiday parks along the way as well as National Park camping and be sure to spend a morning at Cape Otway Light Station where toddlers are allowed to climb the top of the lighthouse as a rare treat and where you don't have to join a tour to see inside. 
You won't need much in the way of heavy-duty accessories, but the weather can be wild, so pack plenty of winter woolies, and if you're camping, throw in an extra tent peg too, because in case it's windy. Prices for campsites at holiday parks during peak tourist season can surpass the $100 mark, so it's best to travel in spring and autumn. One of the most... Um, popular touring routes for caravanners is what they call the legendary Pacific Coast, which whisks travellers from Sydney to Brisbane. It's 930 kilometres or 11 and a half hours in total and a great option for those new to caravanning. Thanks to copious upgrades along the Pacific Highway, the trip is now super simple with plenty of truck stops to call in for tea breaks and a heap of campsites too. The overall theme of this route is the ocean and you'll be able to take plenty of scenic detours to renowned surf towns such as the Crescent Head to Seal Rocks. It's also home to the much-loved Big Banana at Coffs Harbour. Now, although you may be limited for space, you'll be kicking yourself if you don't pack enough toys and we're talking about surfboards, paddleboards and kiteboards. Throw as many as you can on the roof racks and don't forget the sunscreen. Like the Great Ocean Road, it's hard to find a campsite in the East Coast, New South Wales in summer and on public holidays. Some caravan parks do get booked out year in advance for Christmas and Easter holidays. So plan ahead and try to avoid these peak times. Although most of those types of tourist parks will have overnight campsites available for the grey nomads and the tourists who are seeking different stops each night. But uh, if you're looking for a week at a time, you may be stretching it. So make sure that you plan ahead if you are in the Christmas or the Easter breaks. And we're lucky that we live on an island continent. And with COVID-19 restrictions lifting in many states and international travel about to start happening again, Australians from all over the country have been spending more time interstate uh, than ever before and the coastal destinations are often on the list and that really comes as no surprise especially consider Australia is home to thousands of stunning beaches with crystal clear waters and luxury and luscious ivory sands if you're pining for a peaceful and relaxing time away from home soon then you're definitely in the right place Here's five of our top coastal destinations to visit in Australia. Port Jackson in New South Wales. It consists on the waters of Sydney Harbour, Middle Harbour and the Parramatta Rivers. And this makes it the ideal beachside destination if you want to explore sandy beaches, keeping as close as possible to the city at the same time. So while you might love remote camping, Port Jackson is a great example of a place that's beautiful and has lots to do. The place attracts thousands of tourists and locals each year. It's a prime location for shopping, sightseeing, arts and more. You can also do a cruise when uh, out on the waters as well and in, it's a well-known destination for sailing in particular. You can end your day with an amazing meal at one of the many restaurants around the Sydney Harbour Bridge or while enjoying a spectacular view of the iconic Sydney Opera House. In Victoria, in Victoria, Wye River, if you're an inner city adventurers, aren't really your cup of tea. The Wye River in Victoria may just be the perfect holiday destination for you. It's a tiny beach population of less than 100. Yes, that's right, less than 100. It's nestled along one of the most beautiful strips of the Great Ocean Road. And if you're in search of a beach escape that's far removed from the regular hustle and bustle of city life, Y River is just about perfect. There's no shortage of sandy beaches, lush foliage and dozens of rock pools to explore. A trip to Y River is the ultimate relaxation away from home. And don't forget to check out the Y Beach Hotel, which serves up their famous fish packeras. And you can follow that by a sunset cocktail over at Y's Choice. In Western Australia, Broome, situated in Western Australia's Kimberley region, is a resort, beach resort town, world famous for its sunset camel rides. Yep, camel rides. 
Aside for the camel rides and into the sunset, Broome is also home to Cable Beach. It's a 22-kilometre stretch of some of the whitest and cleanest sand you'll encounter in your lifetime. It's the ideal destination for anyone who's looking for some year-round sunshine, rather spectacular sunsets and days spent exploring one of Australia's most exotic and romantic towns. It's just a bit harder to get to, though. In New South Wales, again, Port Macquarie, it's one of those coastal destinations that simply has it all. This is one place that you'll never find yourself feeling bored in. It's home to 17 beaches, a rainforest centre, wildlife park and nature park. Port Macquarie is an ideal destination for anyone who enjoys water sports such as surfing or kayaking and it's often a popular destination for families with children due to the sheer number of activities Don't forget that Port Macquarie also has the highest koala population in the entire country and is home to the famous koala hospital. Cape Tribulation in Queensland. Well, we... um I've got to tell you about Cape Tribulation. It's a fantastic place and I simply can't wait to get back. It's situated within the Daintree National Park. Cape Tribulation is a picture-perfect destination that offers a combination of both rainforest and beaches. In fact, it is the only place in Australia that you will find a rainforest backdrop while you're exploring boardwalks, birdwatching and jungle zip lining. Cape Tribulation is also known as one of the most popular eco-tourism destinations in the country with jungle tours and trekking that offer trips both into the jungle and sea. It's perfect for families or even the solo traveller who's looking to spend a week in paradise. The top five coastal destinations that you just have to visit in Australia. I hope that you've enjoyed just a brief outlook on some of them. Um, they're just our top five. You could go on and on. I mean, Cape Tribulation in Queensland doesn't get much better. Uh, Port Macquarie in New South Wales, fantastic. Broome, just a fantastic place in Western Australia. It's a bit far, far but it's simply sensational. Wye River in Victoria and Port Jackson in New South Wales. If you've got one that you think that should be on the top five, drop us a line. Love to hear from you. That wraps up this edition of the Road Less Travelled podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget you can interact with us on Facebook and Instagram and follow us on YouTube as well. And check out the website, fatcatmedia.com.au. And please support us by becoming a Patreon member of Fat Cat Media. Just simply search for Fat Cat Media, P-H-A-T-C-A-T. My name is Nikki Shea. You've been listening to the Road Less Travelled podcast. And I look forward to your company next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This has been The Road Less Travelled, a podcast about travelling and camping on the road. Written and hosted by me, Nikki Shea, produced by Fat Cat Media. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we'd love you to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Even better, please leave a review. Any comments or questions, please email fatcat at iinet.net.au and to be notified on the new episodes, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. We'll be back with a new episode next week.